This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome, welcome, welcome back to another edition of Game Misconduct. Hopefully everybody had a great summer and early fall. We disappeared after the Stanley Cup Final, but i got to be honest, a lot going on. And we were finally able to nail down a date with EJ to do a season preview as the 2023-24 season gets underway a little bit later on today with the Lightning playing host to the Predators at 5.30. And then we get to see Connor Bedard in the... Chicago Blackhawks in Pittsburgh to take on the Penguins and then the Stanley Cup champion Vegas Golden Knights against the Seattle Kraken and to break down which should be another fun season of NHL hockey is my friend and colleague EJ Raddick. How are you, sir? I am doing well, Don. So good to be back with you. Uh, feeling good. The season is uh, going to be interesting. It's tight. There's no question about it. It's oh, going to be yeah. very, very tight. It's, it's gonna, you know, we'll, just, we'll just have to wait and watch and play it out. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, we could sit here and go back a year ago today, and I don't think any of us maybe had Vegas in the Stanley Cup final. That wouldn't have been that shocking, but I don't think anybody had the Florida Panthers on opening day, and, and certainly nobody had them on the opening day of the postseason to go to the Stanley Cup final. So I'm interested in the, the uh, twists and turns and the roller coaster ride that will be the 23-24 season. Yeah, when you think about it, the Florida Panthers ended up with less points in the standings in the Calgary Flames, but because they were in the East, that point total was enough to get them in the playoffs where in the West, Calgary missed. And, you know, look at the difference, right? Florida went on to go to the Cup Final, and the Calgary Flames went on to change the coach, the manager, and some players. So, I mean, uh, it's, it, it's a very thin line, and I think the advice to all these teams this year is just get in the playoffs, and then, you know, hopefully you're healthy and playing well at that time. Now, you know, back in the day, playoffs, that's easy, but it's not easy. You look at the teams that missed last year, the Pittsburgh Penguins, um, a perennial playoff team missed by losing to the Chicago Blackhawks on the last day, opening the door for the Panthers to make a miracle run. Uh, Is this the year Buffalo finally takes the next step? Ottawa, I think, has an outstanding team. Detroit's getting better. Washington, if they're healthy, can retool. These are all non-playoff teams, and I find it very difficult to believe, EJ, that the six teams, that the five teams that I just mentioned, that they're all going to miss the playoffs again. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and I think it's, that's what's fascinating about this game and how it's evolved over the last uh, couple of decades in the cap era. And uh, certainly it's been made more difficult by the, you know, the pandemic time that uh, kind of really... Uh, impacted the game economically and, and left the cap kind of in a, in a kind of a stagnant place. It looks like it's going to go up next year by a, a couple of million dollars, which will open up some space, hopefully, for mm-hmm. all these teams to kind of, you know, be able to keep or add or, or have a little bit more flexibility with their roster. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's incredibly tight right now. I try to tell people that, and it's like, you know, you could take one of those teams that missed the playoffs last year and then just inject them in and they could have got hot and got on a run i mean it's just it's just crazy how tight it is there's not a lot of difference between winning and losing when i look at it donnie i see about 
you know, seven, eight teams that I think really are legitimate Stanley Cup contenders. But to your point, I don't think the Florida Panthers would have been amongst those when we had this conversation last year and they made it all the way to the final. But it's also very pedestrian to just look at the point total and say, boy, Pittsburgh just missed and Florida got in and and they made the miracle run. But, you know, the hidden stats, the the goal differential, Florida's plus 17 to the Penguins minus 2. I mean, that's one of the reasons Pittsburgh was mired in the situation they were in. Every playoff team last year in the Eastern Conference was a plus goal differential. Everybody on the outside was a negative. Um, and that is the same in the West, with the exception of Calgary being a plus eight, the only team that was a plus that missed. I mean, so there are, you can look at the the standings, but the standings sometimes don't always tell you the shootout, the one goal games, the stress that comes with that. Um, there's a lot of things at play here, and I want to start with Pittsburgh because they made a huge addition adding Carlson, who was just a terrific player for San Jose last year. Is that enough? Is that enough to get Pittsburgh back into the party? Well, I mean, I, I think that uh, I think the, the big news for for Kyle Dubas, who is also new to Pittsburgh, right? We went through that whole yeah. thing at the end of the year, and he left Toronto and kind of a crazy circumstances, and ended up in Pittsburgh, as many had rumored that he would. Yeah, he went out and got Eric Carlson. That's a big deal, right? There's no question about it. He's a big ticket item. He made over scored over a hundred points. I think he's the first Norris Trophy winner since Doug Harvey to be traded in the season after he won the Norris Trophy. So prior to the season, everyone in the Norris Trophy. So, um, you know, that's, that should be a plus, right? I mean, I, I look at their group of defense, and they added Ryan Graves from the Devils as well. Um, you know, I think there's a little bit more offensive jump there, but it's, it's not a, a real physical group. I mean, Ryan Graves is a big guy, but he's not necessarily a physical player. Mm-hmm. So he gives you some length there, along with Marcus Pedersen, gives you some length. But, like, you know, in the regular season, I think you're okay with that. I do wonder in the postseason in a seven-game series if a defense that's kind of as light as that one can be successful. But, you know, the thing there with Carlson, I'm going to wonder, is, you know, Carlson and Latang, how is that going to work? On paper, you look at it, you go, hey, that's great. Two great players. I mean, potentially both Hall of Fame players, right? I mean, but we're, they're human beings. And, they're, and Chris Latang is used to a certain... Uh, a certain status, a certain role with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And it looks like it's going to change some this year with the arrival of Eric Carlson. So how will that all impact the team? And, you know, I think what what uh, Dubas, I think the most important thing that he did in the offseason, Donnie, was he was able to move out some pieces that just didn't fit in Pittsburgh and change the dynamic of their bottom six. And, you know, so so that's going to be the area I think I'll, I'll, be, I'll be curious about. It looks like Jake Gensel is close to returning. He had some issues in the offseason, uh, health-wise, surgery. So looks like he's very close, if not ready to go in game one. So I'll be curious to see. And at the end of the day, all these moves, we just talked about all these different things. At the end of the day, maybe it just comes down to, is Tristan Jari going to be healthy and consistently good? Because he just signed a long-term contract right. to stay in Pittsburgh. And, I mean, that's been – those have been – there's been stretches where Jari has been excellent. But there's also been stretches where he has been less than that. And there's been stretches where he's been injured. So, you know, that's going to be, I think, at the end of the day for the Pittsburgh Penguins, despite all these other things, maybe that's simply what it comes down to. Will Jari be healthy and will he be good? So the other teams that missed, Buffalo, Ottawa, Washington, Detroit, any any of those you feel can take the next step and make the playoffs? Well, I think Ottawa and Buffalo are the ones I'm watching the most closely. And I really, 
when I look at those two teams, I mean, and they're both loaded with really some good young players across the board. I, I, I favor the Ottawa Senators a little bit, and it again goes back to goaltending because they went out and got Jonas Corposalo in the offseason, signed him to a uh, to a five-year deal, a reasonable number, $4 million. They have Anton Forsberg coming back from injury. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, those two guys, I think – I think those two guys provide you a pretty steady goaltending. And then, you know, I look at their group up front. I mean, when you think about Stutzla and Brady Kachuk kind of leading the way, and, you know, Batherson is healthy. Giroux was a great fit for them last year. I see no reason why he won't continue to be an important player for them. Uh, They went out and got Roddy Tarasenko. They're having a contract issue with Shane Pinto. It's really unfortunate. Shane Pinto's a a young kid from uh, the New York area and a really talented player. And uh, he has, unfortunately, like, you know, these guys that come out of that first contract, they have very little bargaining power. And uh, Ottawa's kind of up against the cap-wise, and mm-hmm. so there's been a stalemate there. And I'm hoping that that gets done. I, I, you know, when I look at it, they went out and signed Vladi Tarasenko at 31 to a one-year $5 million deal. I mean, I would have tried to take care of the Shane Pinno situation before I'm looking to add Vladi Tarasenko. But, you know, this is where they're at. And it goes back to what I mentioned at the start, cap issues for different teams. But uh, I like their group, Shabbat, Chikrin, uh, Sanderson on defense. I mean, yeah. that's a good three guys to start your group with. Uh, so I, I like the, the Ottawa Senators a little bit more than the Buffalo Sabres. But that said, I mean, if the Sabres goaltending and, you know, with Devin Levi as a young guy and they've got, they're, they're playing on using, you know, a couple of uh, different goaltenders there, if, if that can hold up, I mean, they're another team. I mean, Tate Thompson, a legit number one center, big-time dangerous player. You know, uh, they've added different pieces up front. Some of the guys are just Dylan Cousins is kind of moving forward as a player. And, and some other, you got keep an eye on Zach Benson, who was a, a first-round draft pick this past season. He's only 18. I don't know if he's going to stick with the club, but, you know, he had a really good camp. Uh, they just signed Rasmus Stalin to a huge deal. He's a great player on defense. They got power back there. Own power. They've added Connor Clifton and Eric Johnson as two veteran right shot guys. But, you know, I just wonder. I mean, Devin Levi is kind of unproven, a very talented young guy, played great in college at Northeastern. But, like, can he do it? And if not, is Eric Comrie and Uka Pekalukin and those guys enough to help the Sabres? But those are the two teams I'd look at, Donnie, because they are certainly on the upswing. They're getting very close. And if one or both of them made the playoffs this year, I really can't say I'd be surprised. So the question then becomes. You can't make the playoffs unless somebody who made it last year falls out. So, who are the last uh, the playoff teams from last year that you think are in danger of falling below the line? Well, I think the Islanders are certainly in danger of that. In fact, you know they had they were the real beneficiary, I think, of the Penguins stumbling down the stretch and losing to Chicago. Because I remember it's kind of funny. I was uh, they had lost the game, I think, to Montreal at home. The Islanders. Not sure. Maybe it was Montreal. I forget. Maybe it was Ottawa. I forget down the stretch. But the bottom line was, I was at a Springsteen concert. As you know, I'm often when he's around. I'm often seen at those at those spots. Um, And it was at UBS, and I had an Islander fan behind me tapped me on the shoulder, showing me the updates from the Penguin Chicago game. And so the Islanders kind of really benefited from that. They might have been the team that would have been out at the end of the year, not Florida. So. I look at it, what happened in the offseason? I mean, they still have a very good goalie. I still like a lot of the pieces on defense. 
Hopefully Matt Barzell takes another step forward this year. He's healthy, so that's important. Maybe there's some chemistry to be had with Bo Horvat. But I still, you know, I look at their team, and it's a little bit older. It's a little bit slower. Yeah. And, you know, they really have to lean on on Sorokin. And, uh, you know, and they have Varlamov. They have an excellent pair of goalies. Bullock, Pellet, Dobson, Mayfield, you know, that's a good group of defense. And they have some good forwards, but, you know, the, when I look at the speed in this league right now, um, you know, I wonder. And, I, and I'll say, you know, one guy to keep an eye on, Julian Gauthier is a former Ranger, and he's had a lot of potential. He's a former first-round pick. I think it was Carolina. And, like, he's going to get some opportunity with the Islanders this year, and I'll be curious to see if he can finally take his game to another level because he's big, he's strong. Yeah, he's gotta, quick. He showed flashes of skill. And, uh, you know, maybe this is the time. We'll see. The Islanders better hope so because they need yeah. an infusion of, uh, you know, youth and offense up front. And, like, Gauthier's not a baby. He's 25. But, like, you know, they're leaning on guys. Anders Lee is 33 now. Palmieri's 32. Pajot's 30. Kazikis is 32. Clutterbuck is 35. Martin is 34. I mean, you get where I'm going here. So, sure. Um, you know, they, they need like they need somebody like Julian Gauthier to pop or maybe Oliver Wallstrom to, to kind of find his way and become a factor. Yeah, Julian Gauthier, he's, you know, he's quick. He can go to the net. He just didn't have any finish. If he can find that finish, which is, you know, easier said than done, he definitely yeah. puts himself in positions, EJ, to get opportunities. Yeah. And I, I saw him yeah. pre- predominantly on the fourth line with the Rangers, but there were times that Dave and I calling games were impressed with at least the opportunities that he created off of very few yeah. shots um, because of not getting a ton of ice time. So maybe given the opportunity there with the Islanders. that's That's been the thing with the Islanders. That's been their bugaboo, right? How are they going to score? How are they going to generate enough offense to be able to stay in this league? That's the way this league is now, especially in the regular season. Got to generate some goals. You got to score. They've got the goaltending. There's no question about that. But, you know, you're not going to get to the playoffs winning 2-1 games uh, every single night. It will be tough. There's no question about it. And, uh, you know, like I said, we'll see. I mean, uh, they're they're a veteran group. And, you know, they got good goaltending and they got a, a decent group of defense. But I just think the speed in this league is such now and the way the game is played now that, you know, you need to have – you need to be able to generate that. And, you know, watching them play Carolina in the playoffs, particularly in the last game, I mean, they had a lead in that game, <clears throat> and you just you just can't hang on all the time. I mean, that's just what it looked like. They were just trying to hang on, and inevitably Carolina scored to tie it. They won on a kind of a fluky goal in overtime. But I just think teams that have that, mm-hmm. that speed, uh, they back you up, and they make you play in your end, and if you can't counter that, um, it's, it's tough. Everybody's high on the Devils, and rightly so. Uh, They've got a ton of talent. I think Jack Hughes can be up among the leading point producers this year. Um, I guess the phrase that I heard during the offseason I think really punctuates my problem with picking them to win the Cup is I don't think there's enough scar tissue. I think that's a great way to phrase it. I heard somebody say it. I'd give them credit if I knew who it was that said it, but it's exactly what I was talking about. You've got to learn to lose in this league. You saw what Colorado went through. You saw what Vegas went through before they were finally able to take that next step. Even the Lightning, if you go back in the day, it was last year's run enough scar tissue to feel like, all right, now all of a sudden you're just going to take that next huge step and win a Stanley Cup. I, as, as, as tremendous as I think this team is, I, I just don't know if they're ready to do that. Is that fair? I think it's fair. I mean, because we have a long history of that, right? Even like I go all the way back to those Islander teams in the 
late 70s prior to them going on the four the run for four cups the Oilers team even with the great Gretzky and those and those players I mean they had some really hard losses along the way I mean remember LA uh, you know the, the miracle on Manchester right rallying to beat yeah. the Oilers and you know they had some hard losses along the way and so did the Islanders and so have many teams over the years uh, you know you have they you know you have to lose before you can win in some cases it's not true in all cases um I think the uh, the Devils, you know, I look at their team again, just so much fun to watch. I mean, fast, great young players. Jack Hughes, just, I mean, he's as, much, as, as fun to watch in this league as any player. You know, Timu Myers, they're on a long-term deal. Brock, they're on a long-term deal. Nico Heischer doesn't get near enough credit. He could be a Selkie winner this year. Such a terrific player. They added Defoley to their mix, a veteran who's won a Stanley Cup. Um you know, a little under the radar. I had Thomas Nosek, who's uh, been on some really good teams between Boston last year and Vegas in their first year when they went to the Cup final. I love Dawson Mercer as a player. Um, you know, they've added Luke Hughes on the blue line. I mean, I just think they're hard to deal with. There's no question about that. They're going to be a really good team. They're going in the right direction. They're going to be a good team for several years to come. I think that there's a chance they could have another great regular season. I just wonder in the postseason, again, it's they're fast, but can they play in a seven-game series where somebody is really physical and yeah, really trying, you know, just, just shut them down and to try to take away their speed game? I mean, and is the, I don't, quite frankly, are the goalies good enough? I mean, Akira Schmidt is a young guy. He played very well in that first-round series against the Rangers last year and uh, maybe not as well against Carolina. And, you know, Vanacek had a great regular season and he had his struggles in the postseason. There's no question about that. So we'll see where they are with those two goaltenders. I mean, Connor Hellebuck came off the market. He signed with the Winnipeg Jets so on a long-term deal. So that, uh, you know, that hope or that fantasy is now gone. So, you know, we'll see what Tom Fitzgerald does. If he'll, I think they'll... You know, that's what I look about the Devils. They have a really good hockey group there between Lindy Ruff and their assistant coaches and Marty Berger and Tommy Fitzgerald. They really, you know, those guys have a lot of experience between them, and they'll they'll watch that situation unfold during the year, and they'll see if they need to make an upgrade as the season goes on. And maybe Akira Schmidt will take a big step forward, and he'll turn into a really good goalie in this league. Time will tell. I'm not quite sold on that yet, but we'll see. But the Devils have a really good team. They're really fun to watch. If you're a Devils fan... And you're going to games, you know you're going to be entertained almost every single night, and you got to be really thrilled about, you know, where this group is. Um, I think for them, when I look at the East this year, you know, Carolina made some, I thought, some pretty smart ads for them. Yeah. And I still think in a seven-game series, I wonder if the Devils can handle the uh, the Hurricanes. And that's the, the team, Hurricanes. right? That that's what I wonder. Yeah, I mean, that's my team to come out of the East. It's been that pick for a little while now talk about scar tissue they've got a lot of it and and maybe they're ready to do it as you said with the ads exceptionally well coached um the rangers are certainly in the conversation too although not the greatest training camp for lafreniere and i've been telling everybody if this team is going to take the next step kako and lafreniere have to take the next step they move lafreniere over to right he had a miserable camp i mean if these kids aren't going to grow in a stars heedle might not start the season uh, I just don't see how they can take the next step. They're, they're, they don't have exceptional depth. They're starting to get older now. I like the addition of Blake Wheeler. They've got a world-class goaltender. But I'm just a little concerned of the depth. And if you're not going to get Kako and Lafreniere to take that next step, I don't know how the Rangers take the next step. 
Yeah, and uh, I guess you got the kid, Will Cooley. Is that, yeah. I'm not sure exactly Cooley, that's yeah. the right pronunciation, Cooley. But, uh, you know, he's an interesting player in the mix there. He was a highly thought of prospect, and looks like he's going to make the team out of camp, and we'll see if he could stick. But you're right. I mean, we've been saying this for a couple of years, Don, right, when we talk about the Rangers. I mean, we've been talking about Kako and Lafreniere, and Kako was a – Second overall pick, Lafreniere was the first overall pick. With that comes very high expectations, and, you know, it hasn't really uh, happened for either player so far. Now, they're in a unique situation because they've been, they were fortunate to be drafted into a team where there was a lot of depth up front, and they weren't handed or given all these great offensive opportunities, you know, power play time and, and, and time on the first unit consistently moving forward. So, you know, we'll see where they're at. Uh, you know, we've seen over the years, Donnie, I mean, like, you know, I look at a guy like Pavel Zaka that was on the Devils. He was, I think, a six or seven overall pick. I think he was a six. And, like, he was a good player for the Devils. But in the end, like, being, he was never, like, he was never, he never lived up to that draft position. Right. And so eventually the Devils moved into Boston. And he's been a good player for the Bruins. And he's going to be in this league a long time. And Alexis Lafreniere has that problem even more so because he was a first overall pick and while he has had some moments where he's played well and he was I thought a pretty good player for them in the postseason run where they went to the uh, when they went to the conference final two years ago he is not performing at the level that someone who's picked overall is in fact like Tim Stutzler who was picked third I mean is a 90 point player last year in Ottawa so you know and again a different situation there, and Stutz has been given more, you know, he got more uh, runway. But in the end, Lafreniere has not been without opportunity, and it's not really happened for him. So it'll be fascinating to watch how that happens with both those players this year. And, you know, a new coach, Peter Laviolette. Peter Laviolette's been around this league a long time. He's seen a lot of players. And, you know, in the end, he's going to probably be the – he's going to make this decision probably in terms of where this moves are going forward – because if he does not, if he does not get performance out of Lafreniere, Lafreniere is not going to get opportunity, and then the next step is probably looking to see if you move him. So it's uh, it's kind of a you know it is a big year certainly for those two players. And you're right, the Rangers group of forwards is getting older, and they need those two guys to to be close to the players that you hope to get when you pick with the first or second overall pick in the draft. So who do you got coming out of the East? I like Carolina. I mean, I, and I, you know, I'm not like you know. You you've liked Carolina for a while. I don't. I haven't actually. Right. I, mean, I think they're good. I think they're a good regular season team, and so you know, I always kind of find somebody that I think is better than Carolina. And even in last year in the playoffs, they kept talking about, well, we're close. We're losing to Florida. They got swept. So many close games. Bobrovsky was great. You know, at the end of the day, when you lose by one, you really lose by two because you have to get a second goal to win. And True. I didn't think they got near enough traffic in front of Bobrovsky to make it life hard for him. So in the offseason, I think they added a little spice to their group. They brought in Michael Bunting from Toronto. They added even a, a, you know, a lower-end player like a Brendan Lemieux. They added a little more sandpaper to their group up front. And then on the blue line, they went out and added Dmitry Orlov. They've added, they brought back uh, Tony D'Angelo, who played well for them there. They kept Anderson and Ross in place. They have Kachetkov, so they have a third goalie ready to go that's played in the NHL. That's a young guy that you know, can play in the minors and then come back up. So, you know, I, I just think that uh, the addition of some of that sandpaper 
and to your point, some of that scar tissue, which they've built up quite a bit over the last couple of years. I mean, I, I think if it's not now, it's probably never for Carolina. And, uh, you know, I would love to see them maybe, you know, and it's easy to sit here and say, oh, you know, have another, you know, top two center. I love Sebastian Ajo. I think he, he's a terrific, terrific yeah. player. But I'd love to see him have a really good two behind him. Now, they, they signed Kotkaniemi. They got him from Montreal. And, you know, he's another guy. We just talked about guys who were drafted high and living up to that draft position, right? Can he take a step and can he be that guy? I, I just I just don't know. So, you know, that's the thing I do wonder about. But I think the additions make him a little harder to play against. And I think, you know, when I look around the East, you know, Boston's had some significant losses. Toronto, I don't know if they're ready to, you know, to, to get over that hump. You know, they won a playoff series last year, but, you know, I, I, I just think they're a little too top-heavy still. The Rangers, I have a lot, you know, more questions about the Rangers this year than I did last year, which is not good. I don't know if the Devils are quite ready. Like, if, like if, if New Jersey has to go through Carolina, I think that's really hard. But if Carolina got picked off by somebody else, that opens the door, I think, right. for the Devils. I mean, I think that's the impediment for the Devils, I think, is that I just think in a seven-game series, Carolina might be just a little better. So I'm going to go with Carolina to start the year. And, again, that's not a team I usually take out of the East, but I like those additions in the offseason. We'll see if it plays out. Now, the West, I'm not sure about the non-playoff teams from last year is as many as we saw in the East. Do you think any of those teams can take the step? Calgary, Nashville, Vancouver, St. Louis, the teams that missed the playoffs last year taking a big step? I guess Nashville and Calgary were the closest. Yeah, I mean, they were really close. I mean, think about Calgary's season last year. Again, they finished with more points than Florida, but they're in the West, so they don't make the playoffs. They lost about 2,500,000 overtime games last year. Yeah. They lost shootouts. They lost in overtime. Think about one or two. And fittingly, they were eliminated in a shootout against Nashville. Uh, if they just get one or two, I think it was 17 overtime or shootout losses. It's in that area. I mean, if they could just flip one or two of those games last year, they're in the playoffs. I thought it was a really strange year for them. They made a lot of changes, obviously big-time changes in the offseason when you lose players at the top of your lineup like Pedrow and Kachuk. They brought in, I think, some pretty good players on paper. I thought they might be just as good, if not better. It did not play out that way. And there was a lot of underperformance. I mean, Jonathan Uberdo just didn't have anywhere near the season he had prior in Florida. Adjustment period. you got to hope he plays better this year. Um, you know, the really the biggest issue with the Flames was their goaltending. You know, you go back two years ago to that matchup with the Oilers in the, uh, I think it was the second round series, and 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 Jacob Marshall just went, I mean, he just capsized. And yeah. he didn't get any better last year. He just, it just continued. So you got to hope, you know, that he rediscovers his form. I mean, we did some stats on our shows last year. Jacob Markstrom had like a was giving up the first goal like he was giving up goals on the first shot of games like at an alarming rate and like you right away you're behind the eight ball so you know I look at their roster and like you know Uro's got to be better Nazem Kadri I think has a chance to be better although getting a little longer in the tooth mm-hmm. Elias Lindholm is an interesting year he's good as last year of his deal is he going to stay is he going to leave they've made a coaching change everybody was down on Daryl Sutter last year the players I mean now he's gone they've changed the, the the management group I mean 
Craig Conroy is an ultra-positive guy, and he's getting the opportunity to be the GM there now. So I just think that they have every opportunity. I mean, they, like, they were so close last year, and everything went wrong. If just a few things go right this year, I think they can get there. So I think they have a chance to be a team in the postseason this year. Nashville, I don't really know what I think of them, but I do know this. they got UC Soros. That's right. And Keeps it changed every their game. culture a little bit there. Yeah, I mean, so... You know, they made some big moves. They made real like it. Gary Trotz came in as a GM, and, and like he was willing to 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 take on half of Johansson's contract to move him. He bought out Duchesne. I mean, those are big statements. Now, are they going to be good enough this year under Andrew Brunette to get to the playoffs? I'm not so sure, but they do have Soros, and they have some good veterans, and they have some they have some pretty good young players that played very well down the stretch. I don't love the Blues. I don't think. You know, I don't see them as a playoff team this year. I think they're, they're, they didn't do anything to change a, a defense that struggled. And Jordan Bennington has been too up and down since his cup-winning year. Uh, you know, Vancouver, Demko's healthy. They can score goals. They're still challenged defensively. And they're in a very tough division now when you think about it. I mean, you got the defending champs. You got the Edmonton Oilers. You got the Kings. You got Seattle. I mean, this is a challenging division, so I think it'll be hard for them. Arizona went out and added a bunch of veteran players, kind of more, you know, journeyman-type veterans, but they look like they're more in it to win it this year as opposed to in it to get the first pick. Right. We'll see how Logan Cooley does in his first year. Clayton Keller's emerged as a star, but, you know, in the end, I, I'm just really not ready to buy. And they've only got some Elke and goal. I mean, Connor Ingram, to me, is just, you know, if they have to lean on him for any stretch of time, I just don't see that being a a key to success. So when I look at the West, I tend to agree with you. I think the teams that were out last year, it's going to be hard for, for many of them to move forward. But I don't discount, certainly, you know, I, I don't discount Calgary's chances. And, you know, Vancouver, if things fall their way, Demko's a world-class goalie. I mean, they could be in the mix. I look at Edmonton. Uh, is this the year? Is this the year they finally put it together? Tremendous power play last year. Historically good power play. Yeah, um, they they seem to be a little bit more than just dry saddle and McDavid, but but is it enough for them to finally get out of the West? Well, that's the question, right? I mean, the last two years they lost to the team that eventually went mm-hmm. on to win the Stanley Cup. They got swept by by uh, the juggernaut that was the Colorado Avalanche, and they went to win the Cup. And then last year they're I mean they're close last year. They're two two with the Vegas Golden Knights into Game Five. And they've got Vegas without Alex Petrangelo, who was suspended. And they had a lead, I believe, in that game, and then they couldn't get it done. And then in game six, Vegas just shut them down, and uh, they went on to win that series and win the Stanley Cup. Um, they're close. I mean, when you think about McDavid and Drysaddle up front, it doesn't, get, it doesn't get any better than that, period. Nope. Full stop. End of story. It doesn't get any better than those two at the top of your lineup as we sit here in 23 24. Um, Hyman has been a real good player. Andrew Kane has fit in. Ryan Agent Hopkins is terrific. I mean, they're top six, and they're, you know, is good. It's real good. Um, the bottom six, they're try- they've been trying for a couple of years to build that up. Will a young player like Dylan Holloway make a step this year and help them? Connor Brown is somebody to keep an eye on. The Capitals signed him last year. He got hurt in training camp or in the first game. He's got a uh, connection with Connor McDavid going back to the OHL days at Erie. And I liked Connor Brown, but he is coming off an injury. Can he be like a low budget? They sign up for next to nothing. Can he be a guy that comes in 
and really helps that group. On the on you know on the blue line, Evan Bouchard really took a step forward last year. They added Matthias Ekholm. Um, you know, Darnell Nurse. I just I think he's a good player, but I think he's overcompensated at nine point two. Uh, you know, and then after that, it falls off a little bit. That Vincent Darnay is a really nasty, big, strong defenseman. And then again, you go back to the goalies. Campbell is the guy they pay, they brought in and paid. He struggled. Stuart Skinner took it last year, but in the playoffs, he had his struggles. So. Listen, I'd love to tell you I think Edmonton can win it this year, and maybe they will. But there's question marks there. There's question marks in yeah. goal, and there's question marks with the, with the depth of their group. And I love L.A.'s forwards. Do they have the D in L.A.? Yeah, that's, you know, listen, three centers deep, right? I mean, they had a Pierre-Luc Dubois, you're right. I mean, Kopitar still at his age at 34. Six is still a real big time player. Great year last year. Yeah, I mean Pierre Luc Dubois slides right in as a two. Phil Deneau is probably probably the best, just straight defensive center in the game, and he's in the three. I mean Fiala and Kempe. Uh, Kempe just goes under the radar year in and year out. I think he just scores like you know thirty five, forty goals now every year. The last couple of years, Fiala's a terrific player. They really they really got hurt when he got when he got hurt at the end of the year. And lost and missed some time. It really hurt their team. Um, but you're right on defense. They got they get Yavrikov signed. Dowdy is still there. Mikey Anderson is a good fit with Dowdy. You know, you do wonder. And then really, I go to the net. Copley was a great find for them last year and played really well. They won a lot of games in Phoenix Copley, but they weren't sold, so they went out and got Corpusalo, who played a lot in the playoffs. They couldn't resign him, so now it's Copley. Cam Talbot, who they've brought in at age 36 on a short-term deal. Todd McClellan had him up in Edmonton, played well for him then, but that was several years ago, and David Riddick. So, like, uh, do we think that, and I and I really love the Phoenix Copley story, and I love the Talbot story. Yeah. I mean, there's a guy. We know him going back to his days with the Rangers. I mean, mm-hmm. but, you know, if they get in a seven-game series against Vegas, against against Edmonton, against Colorado, are those guys good enough? I just, I just have my, you know, I'd, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see Phoenix Copley go on a crazy run and win a Stanley Cup. I mean, nothing would make me happier. He's a great kid, and he's had a great kind of, uh, you know, he's had such a run going through the minors and now getting an opportunity. But I just don't know. So for me, as much as I, I agree, with you, I love LA's forwards. They're going to be hard to play against, and you know, their D is, it's not, it's, it's not bad. It just, you know, isn't deep enough. And then the goaltending is, is a question. Now, will Rob Blake go out in the off season and or in, during the season and make a and make a deal? We'll see. But uh, you know, that's where I am on LA. They're a really good team. Yeah, and they'll be hard to deal with. But you know, there's some key. You know, there's some key questions there. All right. So where are you going coming out of the West? Well, I think it's I think it's Vegas and Colorado. Um, mm. You know, I think Colorado made some really good additions to the group. I, I, unfortunately, I mean, Gabriel Landeskog is out another year, and, you know, who knows if Gabriel Landeskog will ever return. I think in big moments, when you get into those big games, you get into the playoffs, Gabriel Landeskog, the captain, just adds so much to their group in those type of games. And so they'll miss him. But, you know, hopefully hopefully, Vlad, Vlad, uh, Valerie Nechushkin can stay on the straight and narrow this year. I mean, that's a really good player, and he had personal issues last year. I mean, hopefully, 
he can recommit to being on the straight and narrow and, and be a really be the player that he can be there. Yeah. You know, Ranton and McKinnon, obviously. You know, I said it doesn't get much better. Than, it doesn't get any better than McDavid and Drysdale, and it doesn't. But if you get want to get close, <laughs> you know, you got McKinnon and and Rantanen. They've added Dryden Johansson, great opportunity for him. Ross Colton, Miles Wood. They've added some really good depth pieces behind those guys. And Jonathan Drouin. I'll be curious to see what happens with Jonathan Drouin. There's another guy drafted high, never yeah, you're right. draft position, personal issues, right? Um, he's bounced around. This is his third team now, Tampa and Montreal, and now here. But he's he's in like, like I said with Connor Brown, right? He had connections in junior to Connor McDavid. Jonathan Drouin had a big time connections to Nathan McKinnon and junior. I mean, this was they were dynamic. So can he resuscitate or restart his career? But I like they got a deeper group and on the back end. I mean, that's a, that's just like a mock engine back there that drives that team with McCarr and Taze and Bo Byram and you know, to a lesser degree, Sammy Gerrard and you know, uh, I mean that those guys just can move. You know, as long as they're healthy, that that's they're hard to deal with. Those guys that puck is up the ice quick. Georgiev was really good for the Avalanche last year. I have no problem with him. I do wonder behind him. What's going to happen? Pavel Francouz is hurt again, so he just seems like he can't stay healthy. But you know, and then you look at Vegas, and Vegas brings back almost the same team, with the exception of Riley Smith. And I just love their team. I love the slotting. Uh, Eichel is, you know, morphed into just a, a, a terrific number one center, two hundred foot player. You know, Stone can he stay healthy for the entire season? That'll be a question mark. I mean, it's hard to repeat. There's no question about that, but. Uh, they start the season with a couple of defensemen on IR with Martinez and White Cloud out. But this is a big, strong group on defense. I like Aiden Hill and goal. Logan Thompson is back. I mean, I, I like a lot about Vegas. So as we sit here in on October the 10th to start the season, I'm going to take Vegas and Carolina to be in the okay. Stanley Cup final. And I'm going to go Carolina. And how about Dallas? Well, we'll see. Uh, they're they're loaded. Yeah, Odinger got a little yeah. exposed in the postseason last year, but they've been knocking on the door. They went to the final in the bubble, but uh, yeah. they're you know they're getting older in some areas, but still you know Suter's getting older. Pavelski. They're getting younger in others, but there's other places. You're right. They're getting really young and really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love Jason Robertson. Rope Ahins, I mean, those guys are legit stars in this league. Wyatt Johnston, it'll be interesting to see what he can do in year two. Had a really good rookie season. They might add Logan Stankoven and and, uh, and Wyatt Port, or excuse me, Maverick Port to their group at some point. Good young players that have a chance to be good players in this league. Matt Duchesne comes over as a, you know, on a one-year deal, and like, you know what, he's got every reason to come in there and show everybody that he's still a player after getting bought out in Nashville. I love Miro Haskin on the blue line. I'm a little bit worried about the depth of their defense. Thomas Harley is a guy to circle at age 22. He's got to be more of a player for him. He was mm-hmm. a high draft pick. He's a puck mover. Nils Lundqvist, who they got from the Rangers last year, he's got to take a little bit of a step and be more of a regular player for them. They've got Ottinger in goal, and uh, he was fantastic, uh, you know, for that team, uh, you know, last year. A little bit of a struggle in the postseason, up and down more than anything else. True. But they got to the conference final, you know, and before they got kind of they got exposed a little bit by the Vegas Golden Knights. So that's a really good team. I'm with you on it. I just, you know what? I, I'm at the stage, Johnny, with with Dallas. I got to see it. You know, I got to see it. 
and you know Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan are older now, and they have lesser roles, but they're important roles nonetheless. So you know we'll see. I like Dallas's team, but you know, can they when Colorado is fully going? Can they get through Colorado? Um, you know, and I think Vegas again, just one through twelve up front, one through six on the blue line, and even with the depth and goal, Vegas Golden Knights are tough. Yeah, but but tough. Dallas will be there. And we'll see how they how things go out in, in Dallas this year. That's a very good team as well. All right, why don't we try to keep this going through the season on Mondays if you're still game? All right, I'm game. And I know you had a few changes over the NHL Network. Why don't you let everybody know what's going on now for yeah, the fans that were off during the, the summer? Uh, yeah, for years uh, I was I had been on the NHL Now program from four to six, which was kind of a, a, a show that kind of morphed out of. Our time together, Don, on NHL Live, right, which we were on at noon to two, and then we, you know, the show eventually moved, and that kind of unfortunately made it difficult for you because you do, you have other responsibilities between, you know, two and seven usually. Um, but, you know, I've been on NHL now for the last several years, and now we're making some lineup changes, and Jackie Redmond is uh, going to be staying at the NHL Network, but really more in a, in a limited role and in kind of a spot starter as she has duties with uh, with Turner and uh, on their game presentation and also with WWE where she's a big star there. And she's a great talent and has been a good friend of mine. And, you know, I, I'd be remiss if I have to say, I mean, I've been so lucky in the past 12 or 15 years to you know, to have worked with you, Don, and with Bill Pito and Deb Placey and and Steve Mears, and then most recently Jackie Redman. I all people I've become really good friends with in life. So I've been very, very fortunate to work with talented people who I've become good friends with. And so anyway, to get to the point, I'm moving to six o'clock now. I'm going to be the lead analyst on the NHL Tonight Show that comes on at six, and we're on usually from six to you know it could be six to nine. If we have a game on our air, it could be six to seven ten. Just depends on our nightly schedule. I'll be doing that, uh, and then also I'll be. I'm kind of the lead play-by-play voice now for the NHL Network, so I'll be doing the showcase games on the weekend. Most of the, a good number of them, along with Jamie Hirsch, will do a, will do some as well. And then uh, I'll be calling the World Junior Championships this year. Excellent. I've done that once before, and it's a great event. I did it during the redo, sort of. I guess it was like uh, 14 months ago now when they did it in the summer. I'm very, very excited to get an opportunity to call these games. Uh, you know, in the winter at their normal time in December when everybody's paying attention. And it's a tournament that I have long, have long roots to. I mean, I covered it for ESPN back in 1999, that long ago. So uh, it's going to be an exciting year for me, some different duties. But uh, I do look forward to catching up with you every Monday or every Monday, every Monday I'm available because I love to get a chance to talk hockey with you and to reach, to reach out to, you know, the listeners who, uh, who tune us in. Well, we love you, and we'll talk to you on Monday. Thanks, buddy. All right, All right. you got it, Donnie. Have a great year. And looking, looking forward to it. See you on the call for the Ranger games as well. I'll be in Columbus on Saturday, so I'm looking forward to it. There you go. All right, All right. buddy. We'll talk to you see Monday. You, All right, that's the great EJ Raddick. Check him out on the NHL Network. Three games on the docket today at 5.30 on ESPN. The Predators will be in Tampa to take on the Lightning. Uh, no Vasilevsky to start the season for Tampa. We'll see how that affects things. And at 8 o'clock, Connor Bedard 
makes his NHL debut in Pittsburgh to take on the Penguins makes sense considering the fact that we haven't been this hyped about a prospect since Sidney Crosby came into the league. So that'll be at 8 o'clock also on ESPN. And the triple header will continue at 10.30 with the Stanley Cup champion Vegas Golden Knights raising their banner to the rafters against the Seattle Kraken, who will try to make the playoffs for the second consecutive year in year three. So we'll be back with you again on uh, Friday, kind of uh, get everything going here, recap the week and get into it a little bit. But I wanted to get a preview up there and give you a little bit of a taste of what we're going to be doing this year. We're still kind of looking at doing Monday Wednesday and Friday and kind of maybe interrupting things when something breaks or something major happens so we'll be on top of it. It's busy but I love hockey and I wanted to get the podcast out there so hopefully everybody enjoyed their summer. We'll be very interactive on Friday at Don LaGreca hashtag game misconduct is still the way to get in touch with me during the course of the year. We'll talk to you again on Friday. This was the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.